welcome to the Top Order Podcast, coming to you live from Mount Monganui this morning on the Friday of the Test Match England-New Zealand at the Bay Oval. This is a special episode. Every day we're going to be at the Test. This is the Hangover Breakfast, coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, pretty decent first day's play of this Mount Monganui Test Match. Drive over from Auckland on Thursday morning, relatively uh, safe and sound. Um, not a lot um, of, I guess, issues on the roads following uh, Cyclone Gabriel, but um, certainly a cyclone sort of ravaged the Bay Oval in terms of England's batting yesterday, um, which we're going to talk about. We'll talk teams, toss, Harry Brookett's. Um, that's a combination of Ben Duckett and Harry Brook, of course. Uh, Joe Root, what is a pass score? We'll talk a little bit about overrates and what we think about the second day's play coming up 2pm local time. But let's start with the selections because, Lippy, you had a bee in your bonnet about this all, all day. day. Yeah, all all day. day yesterday. It did not let up. Um, so, yeah, to talk us through, I think, the New Zealand selections, I think from an England perspective, pretty much what was expected um, of them, um, if you can expect what the selection is going to be in this baseball era, but definitely from a New Zealand perspective and, and with the benefit of hindsight at the end of the first day's play, you're still not happy, are you, with the team selection? Well, yeah, I, I may have mentioned it a couple of times about the fact that we've gone into a, a pink ball test when traditionally you think that the pink ball is going to swing around, that that's going to be a big element of your seam attack. And we've gone into it with three but three of our four seamers who were predominantly hit the deck bowlers. And I mean, you know, we've... We, when we did our preview, we talked about Matt Henry and Kyle Jameson and you know a number of other bowlers who might be in the mix here. Obviously, those two are unavailable, and that has a big impact. But then to go, yeah, to I think to leave Duffy on the sideline was a, a big mistake. I, you know, he's, he hasn't played a Test match before. It's not like I'm, I was expecting him to come in and, and destroy England. But I, I just, it, it's one of those things that we talked about in terms of like the tactics and things that New Zealand have have approached this baseball scenario I, I don't think we've got that right and I mean you know you, you'll never know what Jacob Duffy would have done but I think when England was just cruising along there at 120 for one and you could see that there were people on the boundary there was sort of no pressure and, and there was no real pressure as soon as the day sort of started even you know we got those we got that early wicket Zach Crawley looked all out of place but as soon as the ball stopped hooping around, it was 40 for one and you went, oh, this is going to be a really long day. Mm. England's, England's openers certainly did a good job of taking the early momentum away from New Zealand. But if you've got a guy like Scott Kugeline, who bowls traditionally a lot of deliveries with a cross ball seam, he's not going to get the best out of a wicket early on day one if there is a bit of juice, if there is a bit of life in the wicket, right? He's a, he's a terrific into the wicket bowler. But if you want to get the best out of the conditions, the squad selection is an interesting conundrum because there just weren't enough. And I mean, it's hard to cover for, for two people being unavailable. But England, uh, New Zealand did know that Matt Henry would possibly be unavailable mm. due to the birth of his child. So, you know, was there adequate swing cover for for those guys, regardless of what you think about whether or not, you know, the SOS should have gone out to Trent Bolt? there should have been enough swing cover to go, actually, we need an extra swing bowler in this attack. 
I think the other thing that that set of selections did was put you in a position where you ha you were going to have to bowl first. So you know, I think you obviously made that call. You know, if, if it goes up and uh, comes down on the right side of the coin, then we have to you know we have to bowl, not going in with um, Ish Sodi as a genuine spin option. But then the the question I want to ask is, you know, having seen the days play on that wicket, and I'm talking about the wicket. So, if, you know, I know New Zealand have lost three wickets in that little mini session at the end, 18 overs or, mm. or thereabouts. But other than that first maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, mm. um, and you talk about Kugelin as an example, came in, bowled a number of wides trying to get the ball up above the, you know, the, the batsman's sort of, uh, visor and, and whatnot. So showing really that, that probably not a great deal of pace in that wicket. It didn't really, you know, do a you know do a massive amount apart from that first thirty minutes. Right decision at, at the toss. I mean, with the you know, selection a little bit hamstrung into that, but you know, was it actually a bat first, uh, a bat first day for New Zealand? I, I don't think you can be too critical. I mean, I think in hindsight, yes, probably it was when you looked how easy England made it look after that first half an hour. But I think in hindsight, you know. It's very easy to say that now. I think the weather that we've had around New Zealand, the it, it looked very green. I, I still never. I mean, we New Zealand wickets seem to look green, and then if you get through the first half an hour, they kind of play all right. This is how New Zealand wickets seem to play. But I, it looked like it was going to seem all around the place, mm. and it just just never did. If someone can explain to me why it didn't and how that how that works, that'd be great. Look, it's interesting you, you should say that. Baldy was giving us all the science yesterday. So but Baldy, I think um, you were talking about the way the thunderstorm was going to present itself at one point in terms of, I think, mm. the weather being drawn <laughs> in by atmospheric pressure and um, a barometer meter reading over a thousand times by um, your inside leg measurement, etc. Mm. The, the thunderstorm didn't come, but maybe talk a little bit about that, that same piece. What, what, you know, what do you think from a conditions perspective influenced that? I've got no idea. <laughs> you've, you've absolutely teed me up for failure there. Um, all, but, I, all I know is one thing about thunderstorms, and I harped on it all day. It was a bit like Stuart's selection commentary. Um, do you think it was going to seem that when you saw the saw the wicket? I thought surprised. it was going to do something in the first half an hour with a pink ball, and I thought that if, if, if New Zealand were able to execute their skills well early and get into Joe Root and get into Harry Brook and get into Ben Stokes inside the first session, then the decision to bowl first was absolutely vindicated. But if you have a look at different portions through the day, you talked about it, Stu, England were 100 for one. They were also 200 for five. Mm -hmm. So if at 200 for five, New Zealand had gone bang, bang, and there was another two for 30, and all of a sudden it was 230 for seven, that's advantage to New Zealand. As it was, we talked about it in the dinner break last night um, on socials, uh, folks and Brooke put on a 60-70 run partnership and just took the momentum away from New Zealand and allowed England to declare with 20 overs to go in the day and picked up three quick wickets, three yeah. cheap wickets. And it was, it was a 90 run partnership. But yeah, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic partnership. Well, and, and we should probably transition to England in that sense that like the... I think one of you guys mentioned it while we were talking at the day's play yesterday. The thing about baseball and this way that England is playing is that it, it puts pressure on the opposition and, and New Zealand had to take that initiative in that first 30 minutes of yesterday. It looked like we might when Neil Wagner, you know, went through Zach Crawley early on. Obviously that was called a no ball. Southie was getting edges. He it did, did eventually edge uh, Zach Crawley off. But then Ben Duckett just, I mean, he just took the game away from New Zealand and it suddenly at 15 overs, it was 100 for one. Yeah, look, I, we've talked a lot about this and I, I am 
at times speechless about the way that this England team are playing. We we talked yesterday a hell of a lot about you know what is a par score, and I just don't think you can actually look at what par is with this you know with this England side uh, for the simple reason that they're not going to play in the conventional way that you expect, and um, they're not going to sit in and absorb massive amounts of pressure for um, you know a whole session or half of a session. Um, now there is a little bit of a criticism potentially, you know, on the on the counter side of that. Um, lost a couple of wickets, Ollie Pope and um, and Joe Root within literally two runs of each other. Um, you, you quite enjoyed the Joe Root dismissal. Um, look at <laughs> it, it, look, it's a really difficult one. I, I said on the social media yesterday, I actually don't, you know, I don't think it's the right way for him to be playing. Mm. I I still think that he can show a level of positive intent um, and put a team under pressure with the way that he's played test cricket for the last two mm. or three years. If you go back pre, um, yeah, pre really the, you know, the basball era when he kind of came back into form as a batter, it was just that he was busy at the crease. He put people under pressure. He ran twos where it you know, should have been one. Yes. He got, you know, he, he kind of almost played that sort of middle overs one day style mm. and his strike rate just was, you know, in the kind of eighties. So I think there's a place for, route to to kind of look at that as a blueprint um so yeah i've got to say disappointed probably um that you know whether or not he doesn't feel as if he's got that freedom in this he's got to go out and play the way the other guys played if you contrast that with someone like ben folks i thought ben folks came in and played almost the way that joe root should be playing Mm. uh knew his strengths knew that he could use his feet to the spinners um, knew that he'd put the bad ball away, ran really, really hard, mm. and was happy to turn the strike over to um, to Harry uh, Harry Brook through that partnership. And at one point, Stokes, yeah, folks, sorry, was you know in the sort of eighties and nineties for for his strike rate as he yeah, went yeah, through yeah. His, through his innings. It wasn't until I think you introduced a little bit of spin, and it did just slow things down momentarily. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I'm not bothered by that 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 shot. And I I think I'd want to flip it back and really talk about Duckett. Um, and and look, Harry Brooks said on the social media, I think he's going to score ten thousand test runs. Um, the way that he just he made Tim Southey look bloody ordinary for a, a little period. We were talking about our oh, Southey will come back here, maybe give a little bit of control. Not Harry Brook. He's I'm going to take you down for fourteen or fifteen in and over. I'm going to pop you back over your head for six into the amazing shot. into the sight screen. So, um, uh, look. Uh, Strap in and just ride this roller coaster if you're if you're an England fan. Um, but at the moment, there's no dips. It's all it's it, it's all uh, it's all loops, and it, it's bloody exciting. It was brilliant the way that both Duckett and Harry Brook not only put pressure on the New Zealand bowlers by hitting boundaries, they created bad balls. I mean, mm. the the number of times yesterday Harry Brook took a ball that was fifth sixth stump just short of a length and popped it behind square for four off the back foot. He was just incredible. And then so he created the bowlers having to change their line, change their length. Then he pushed the ball into the offside for one where the gap was. And all of a sudden he's got five off the first two balls of the over. And the guy at the other end can do pretty much whatever he likes. The The way that England went about that hit four, hit one, worked the fielders around. I thought Duckett and Pope did a fantastic job of that in that first session yeah. to hit, to find a boundary option. And we, we talked about it while we were watching the game live. 
Ollie Pope was walking across his stumps and creating space into the leg side to, to find that area of, of the field that was completely vacant. And then we just pop the ball into the gap and take one. It was just fantastic control batting without taking too many risks. It was, it was just a joy to watch. And I think that that probably talks a little bit to how little the pitch did because the way that Pope was doing that, you know, is counter to what you would normally do in test cricket where you've got a cordon of catches he was comfortable to know do you know what it's not doing enough for me to probably get nicked off here mm. if I get this really wrong I'm going to get a big leading edge it's going to go over um, yeah over that sort of cordon and if I actually you know if I actually hit it it's just runs into that sort of vacant um, vacant leg side um, Lippy any look any any sort of positives from a New Zealand bowling perspective we, we talked a little bit about the selections anything that you kind of go actually this bodes well for the second innings and for the test at the Basin Reserve not especially to be quite honest I, I think I guess the the positive is that England's always going to give you chances because we you know when we, we just mentioned it before England went from a position of absolute dominance to 200 for 5 and I don't think New Zealand sort of earned that situation so New Zealand is going to get opportunities when England bat mm. you just have to take them And but I, I don't think that we saw any of the things that I really wanted to see sort of unconventional ways to try and counter this unconventional style that England has brought I, I think we still just tried to play our game and, and almost just went on the back foot I, I don't I mean I, I don't necessarily think it is going on the back foot having three fielders out on the boundary. In some ways, that does stop England from just hitting those boundaries and getting away. I, I don't think that's silly captaincy to, to you know, just leave all your fielders up so that you're creating the chances. That doesn't necessarily create you a chance. Mm. Creating a chance sometimes means, okay, we're not going to let you hit those fours. And you saw Joe Root was trying to, you know, invent those boundaries and and it did lead to a few wickets but yeah I don't I don't think I've watched that first day and gone 320 geez New Zealand bolt came back really well there or or did anything especially well I do think Southie showed that he was a class above I I know Harry Brook did get to him but I think it was very apparent that Southie was a much is a much better bowler than the three other bowlers and I mean that's to be expected when you know two of them are, are making their debuts and and Neil Wagner wasn't quite on song for ver- for various parts. He did he I, he was much better when he switched end and, and yep. bowled at the same end that Southie was bowling from the the end that we were watching from. Well, and I think when him and Southie bowled in tandem, it was very clear that 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 actually brought you know that's when they picked up those wickets. They got back in the game, mm. but then you know you had the other two debutants come in and, and bowl, and yeah, suddenly England just piled on those runs again. I think let's. What I want to throw back to you in terms of England is declaration, 325 for nine. A lot of people were somewhat confused about that at at the ground. But, you know, then we saw what happened after that. England go and take three wickets at the end of the day. And, I mean, you came... First thing you said to me this morning about the cricket was, oh, it's it's still an even day. It's not an even day. England's firmly, firmly on top here. And, um, I mean, you've probably got to give a bit of praise to, to your bowlers there for what they did after, I mean, after tea, I guess it was. I'm still getting a little bit confused with the, the sessions after um, in this pink ball environment. 
Yeah, look, I'm going to borrow an Australian phrase. So I'm going to try really, diff- uh, really hard not to put the moz on on England here <laughs> um, in the Australian vernacular. But I, look, I don't think it's even. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to put a little bit of kidology and reverse psychology into the mix there. What I do think is that you still have an opportunity to get yourselves in the game due to the speed at which England have scored those 325 runs, mm. um, and now arguably the condition should be what a 20 over old ball or thereabouts 18 overs old ball um good batting conditions today you know should, should be, be good decent batting. batting conditions in that first um in that first and second session as we lead into um the floodlights coming on and it didn't really seem to you know do a great deal for new zealand with the older ball as the lights took effect um, but yeah, that that seeming performance from from England. If there's a criticism, um, you know, there was a little bit of that pretty sort of line and length. Um, you know, five six slips in and it kind of flying through to folks, but not really threatening. Um, yeah, not really threatening the stumps or the edge. England earned the, often earned, enough. Yeah, England earned the right to do that though because they had they were so far ahead of the game where where they were able to go. Look, you guys are just in survival mode. If you want to do anything about scoring runs yeah, to eat into this deficit, yeah, yeah. you're going to need to go and fish at that ball. And they had what six slips at one point. It was I, I loved how uh, there was the West Indian 1980s cordon. It was just fantastic well, and, and to and see. And a short leg and a leg slip as mm. well. So yeah, look. Uh, and look, I, I just think you've got to give those plaudits. We we talk about him quite a lot, or I certainly do. Um, James Anderson, uh, unlucky not to have probably three or four uh, cat, pretty simple catch drops. Um, Crawley at, Crawley uh, at slip and that was Conway yeah. um, so you look it's not necessarily saying it would have been four down because we talked about that sort of butterfly effect that the, you know the next wicket might not have come if that had been taken but look it was a really really good performance by those seamers I think what I really liked as well is the way that um, I don't know whether it was a deliberate plan but you know Anderson obviously didn't look quite as good from the uh, from the far end of the ground and they just went nah we're going to wheel you around here change your ends and um, that was bowling with the wind um, mm. for, from you know and it was actually quite um, quite a decent wind throughout the course of the day for, the, for those people who probably didn't pick that up on the TV from the uh, the media centre uh, and the Mount Monganui end of the ground it really was um, yeah blowing a little bit of a, a, a gale down the yeah down the pitch I think and Baldy you gave us a stat earlier on uh Probably most likely to today's play, Broad and Anderson are going to take their thousandth, thousandth combined wicket in tests, which is just a staggering number. You want you want to run us through that and uh, and another duo that you said uh, also have a thousand? Yeah, so they're closing in on a thousand wickets as a duo playing test cricket together. So this is their 133rd test together. They started the test with 997 combined wickets in tests that they played together. They haven't played together for a while. I think it's been almost a year since they've they've been on the field together. Um, so they're now 999. Anderson got two overnight. We expect that they'll break the thousandth combined wicket um, and they're closing in on I think McGrath and Warren's record of a thousand and one test wickets combined in I think they played 104 tests together so slightly few slightly more tests for Anderson and Broad but they'll go past that record today I would imagine you can see them picking up three wickets today against New Zealand at some stage I don't want to detour too much but that McGrath and Warren like that ten, almost 10 wickets a test between, between the, the two of them. It's yep. just unbelievable when you think that there's only 20. I mean, and, and even Broad and Anderson, what, that must be, I, I can't do the maths, but that must be about eight or something. That's that's still Incredible record. Mm. Both absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, but I, I think, yeah, the, the big thing really is that how quickly McGrath and, and Warren did that together across those 100 and 
yeah, 101 test matches. And and I think that's the that's been the underrated thing of this whole England run is that England have been able to take 20 wickets in every single, you know, all of these tests, they've just been able to take the wickets and it's allowed the batters to, to do what they're doing. And they certainly just look like they're about to do it again. Yeah, we talked about this again quite a lot yesterday. It is just that almost relentless, you know, blitzkrieg type pressure, you know, whether it's with bat or ball, their modus operandi is how do we put you under pressure? Um, I, I still think there can be some tweaks made to that approach. We talked about Joe Root. I think that, you know, the way that some of the guys bat and just giving themselves a little bit of um, of more traditional um grittiness or whatever um but i think Bordy made the point yesterday one of you know one of those things is you don't have to rebuild for 10 overs like you, you used to do england proved yesterday that they can almost rebuild which they did with folks uh, when he came in they did uh, with when brooks mm. uh, came in and batted or brook came in and batted with uh, with duckett um you know they they did have that where they they went right three or four overs here let's just kind of have, have a have a little bit of a look and that's i think a massive influence from that white ball side that England have had. You know, they've taken a, a lot of that. Um, but yeah, the pressure with the ball was was immense. And uh, yeah, look, we're, we're moving on now to uh, something that bothered, seemed to bother you a little bit. You were singing a bit of Ed Sheeran during during the day. Binksy, what, what was going on there? What was the bee in your bonnet all day? Yeah, look, it wasn't necessarily all day, but certainly as you, you know, you get to um, the dinner break which is the first break in these games I can never yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I can never get it quite right but I think New, New Zealand um, three or four overs behind even going into that first 20 minute break um, they were probably another four or five overs behind when they're going into that um, that, that next break so the Ed Sheeran piece was you know I was lucky enough to go and see him at Eden Park and we talk now a lot about test cricket being an entertainment product and the, I think there's some, some people that would disagree with that. They would say, you know, it's the purest form of the game. It's not necessarily an entertainment product like T20 or one day cricket. But the reality is, I think in this era, it has to be. Um, and I guess it just got me thinking, you know, would Ed Sheeran go, do you know what? I'm not going to play three of my biggest hits. I'm not going to play Bloodstream and Bad Habits and Thinking Out Loud because I've change my shirt too often or uh, I've had too many drinks or you know my contact lens got a little bit smudged or you know my microphone hit me on the head so there's there were all of these stoppages throughout the course of the day um and um I think New Zealand have got to take a big part of the blame for that I don't know whether they were trying to take time out of the game if they were then that's futile to be perfectly honest um but the fact that we are literally here looking at 37 for three off 18 overs when there was, I think, 29 overs available to be bowled mm. um, in the day. Just 70, what, 76, 76 overs? In, se- in six and a half hours. In, in six and a half hours. We didn't have any weather interruptions. Um, we didn't have a lot of sight screen interruptions apart from um, really, really early whilst they were kind of just getting the... It seems to be that every single test match, you know, nobody knows what, what a sight <laughs> yeah. screen is supposed to do. So we always have that in the first few overs. But... Um, I've got to admit, we need better measures for this. Um, um, I've probably come down off, you know, injury to players being inflicted if they don't meet their uh, meet their over eights. But um, I've often said I think we should have someone up there in, with rubber bullets, you know, firing at the, the bowler as he runs up if he's behind strong. his over. Yeah, that's probably a little bit strong. Um, but what I do think is we need to get tough on that. Um, so you know, 
why not if you're behind the over eight by X and you take a wicket, it's tough luck, it doesn't count. Like, I, I, I think <laughs> there has to be something that drastic because the the fines aren't really doing the, um, doing the job. It seems to be making the difference to them. And In- we were robbed, I think, of a, a fantastic opportunity to see an even better day of mm. test cricket if we managed we, to get we, the overs in. We well, England were, well, I was quite happy to see the day in, to be honest. Well, we had 350 runs in 76 overs and 12 wickets yesterday. We had a lot of entertainment, but the point, is, yeah. the point is we missed out on like 15% of that entertainment. You know what I mean? Like we only got 76 out of 90 possible overs. We missed out on what's more than 15%. So, you know, imagine the day that we could have had, had we got all our overs in, it would have been even better. And uh, I guess fortunately, yeah, England England plays such a, this style that they play, time, time is not going to be a factor unless we get significant weather. And we're looking outside this morning here and it's uh, absolutely beautiful. So hopefully we're in for another big day. Baldy, as, as a neutral, I guess, how did New Zealand get back into this match? We're, you know, very much behind the eight ball at the moment. Kane Williamson gone, Tom Latham gone, Henry Nichols gone. What do, what do we got to do here? Well, the key is that first half an hour. So Wagner and Conway have to blunt the England attack in the first half an hour mm. and set up an opportunity for Conway and Mitchell to get big scores. Both of those batters are in really good form. But I think if New Zealand are going to get anywhere close to parity with England's 329, uh, 325 for nine declared, both of those guys have to play beginnings. That's pretty obvious now that Williamson and Latham are out. But they have to give the opportunity for Blundell to make a contribution, for Bracewell to make a contribution lower in the order. And then one of the bowlers has to get a, a 15 or a 20 and hang around with one of those established batters to get them close to parity with England. Well, we're going to see that play out not too far away now. Nine o'clock in the morning here, uh, New Zealand time. We'll be off to the ground uh, very, very shortly to soak up the pre-day two atmosphere. We will be back on our social media during the course of today's play. So do jump onto Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, and engage with the guys at the Top Order podcast over the course of day two at the Bay Oval, Mount Monganui. And we will be back in your podcast feed as well tomorrow morning with the Hangover Breakfast Part 2, where we can see whether any of our bold predictions and chat have come anywhere close to fruition in the second uh, day of the first Test match, England versus New Zealand. But for now, from Mount Monganui, Papamoa to be precise, it's good night, or good morning, and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.